Yes, good evening ladies and gents, boys and girls, welcome along to the live stream of the Full 10 Yards NFL Podcast. Let's get the show on the road. Hey, we're rolling, we're rolling. We got all game all game. Stay tuned, man, we got something special for y'all today. You're listening to the Full 10 Yards Podcast. To the 10, right to the 5, scooting in for the score. Touchdown! Evening fellas, looking very festive at the bottom of the screen this evening, it's got to be said, but let's start with the man in the top left of your screens, Mr. Timothy Lambert-Monk, how are you this evening buddy? Um, I'm not going to lie, I'm feeling angry and I'm feeling argumentative, so let's get let's get on with it. Ooh, that's a way to start the podcast, isn't it? Jesus. Talk about breaking us in gently there, mate, yeah. The group chat got a little <laughs> bit feisty last night, ladies and gents, so that could carry over into this evening, but bringing plenty of festive cheer at the bottom of the screen. I'm going to get my sunglasses now with that thing flashing around his neck. Welcome him in, Kieran. How are you, buddy? No Patriots game this weekend, so I'm in a particularly festive mood. <laughs> we, we'll, we'll gloss over the fact that they played Thursday then, mate. We'll just we'll forget that ever happened, mate. We'll forget it ever happened. But a man with a big smile on his face, out his old team got a big win yesterday, and his new team are about to get a whooping tonight, but we'll get on to all that later. Oh, let's talk about that in a bit. I'm looking forward we'll to We'll talk about it in a bit. <laughs> Evening, Lawrence. How are you, buddy? Fantastic. Just just as a little aside, love to do my little asides. Um on a non-NFL front, just to say I watched the Jackie Robinson film, 42, on Netflix today whilst I was attempting to work at the same time. Um, and it's a really, really good watch. So if you get an opportunity to see that, um, really recommend it. It's kind of keeping it in the American sports arena. But it's got Harrison Ford in it, which will kind of shock you. And no, he doesn't play Jackie Robinson, just in case you were wondering. Um but yeah, good, good fun, good fun watch. Well, I've got a couple of hours to kill after this, mate, before the big kickoff. So that might be my new uh, viewing experience. But let's get into the weekend's action, boys. We will talk Monday night a little bit later on, as it's obviously a big match coming up. But uh, plenty of big ones over the course of the weekend. None more so than Sunday night football. We sat here a week ago, fellas, talking about an undefeated team. Two of us on this podcast said that they were pretty fraudulent and were going to get beaten by Washington. I don't think many people believe us, Kieran, but me and you were right, my friend. And here we are two weeks, sorry, one week later, two defeats later, the Bills take down the Steelers. Talk us through it, buddy. It was incredible to watch because you know I am the biggest Josh Allen fan in the world and coming from somebody who is a Patriots supporter, it is probably a bit, you know, worrisome for me to admit that I like a divisional rivals quarterback better than I like Cam Newton right now. But, you know, I knew this was going to happen going in. We called it last week against Washington. I'm not believing this guff that Steelers fans are putting out there. We played three games in 12 days. No, you're supposed to be undefeated for a reason, but everyone knew it was fraudulent. Anyone who watches football knew that this was not a good team and they need to do less TikTok dances and more training because what a terrible performance they had this week. I will start with the Bills, though, because Josh Allen once again looked impressive. You know, 238 yards, two touchdowns. He did have an unfortunate pick that I don't really think was his fault. That was uh, just the circumstance of Dawson Knox there. Uh, But Stefan Diggs as well looked great. Another 100-plus yard game. This team is, 
you know, this, t- this team is amazing. I've been saying it all season. And the two teams I talked about most this preseason was actually the Bills and Miami. And, you know, a Patriots fan saying that. So, you know, it has a bit more weight to it when I'm giving these team props. But, you know, Bills went out, looked fantastic. This defense is absolutely suffocating with guys like Jordan Poyer, Matt Milano, you know, uh, Trey White as well, who I think is, you know, if he hadn't had the amount of time off he had due to injury, I think he we could have been potentially looking at defensive player of the year because he is a massive difference maker. But, you know, I have loved everything I've seen from the Bills and I think their record is slightly unfair to them because, you know, they have dropped three games that they could have probably stayed in and won. But, yeah, the Steelers have just looked terrible and I think the we always talk about how confidence affects a player and you maybe wouldn't think it would affect a guy like Big Ben Roethlisberger who's been in the league so long but I think the loss to Washington there really did rattle their confidence and maybe hurt them a little bit and you've you know Juju Smith-Schuster is telling everyone he's he's a number one receiver and he's doing the renegade or whatever crap dances he's got off that children's app next and Dude, dude takes him 55 yards on six receptions. I mean, that is not wide receiver one numbers. And the defense of the Steelers is actually really good. I know that's what's been carrying through them a lot of games. You know me. I love Minka Fitzpatrick. I think that guy is an all pro. He is a very talented guy, but they're not putting it together. They're running game as well. They went for, <coughs> sorry, under 50 yards again on 50, uh, something like 15 attempts this team cannot run the ball and if you look that Lawrence will tell you best he's seen the you know maybe not as far back as Terry Bradshaw but he knows this Steelers Steelers team has always been built on a strong running game and that's really helped augment the passing attack and they just don't have it this year and you know they should have paid Le'Veon Bell that bag because they might be in a bit of a better position now but yeah Terrible performance from the Steelers. I honestly think they're going to have trouble against the Boroughless Bengals next week. I still think they'll win, but it will still be a tough game for them. Somehow they'll make a meal out of it. Uh, But yeah, this Steelers team has been entirely muted. Ben had two touchdowns, two picks, 187 yards, and he dropped back 37 times, and he was just getting absolutely smothered by that defense coming at him. And yeah, it's just... You know, we, we talked about this weekend. It's been a bad weekend for kickers. I think a bunch of extra points were missed, but it's, you know, it's it's been a tough weekend for the Steelers and I am absolutely loving it. Yeah, I was going to say, you didn't seem too disappointed with it being such a bad week. And Tim, just throw a question to you, mate. You asked me the question, I think it was last week, um, you said if the Browns made the playoffs, who did I want to see them face? Are the Pittsburgh Steelers now actually the team that everybody in the playoffs will want to face, in your opinion? Uh, Likely, yes. The only one thing I would say is that the Steelers still have three or four weeks to kind of try and sort a few things out and tweak a few things before they do. Uh, Obviously, they they clinched a playoff berth yesterday as well. So it's not as if they're in trouble of of not even making the playoffs. So even if if here they they lose lose out or they don't, you know, somehow the the Cleveland Browns win the division, um, yeah. They've still got a couple of weeks to to, to tweak and fine tune, but yeah, the, the lack of running game, which which Kieran said would would concern me, um, but yeah, I, I mean certainly this time a couple of weeks ago, certainly f- from their minds and the, the viewpoints of uh, opposing teams in the AFC, um, the, their stance on the Pittsburgh Steelers has probably changed over the last couple of weeks. 
Yeah, and, and Lawrence, I mean, the, 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 turn, the downturn in form can probably be sort of all traced back to Bud Dupree uh, leaving the field um, and obviously not returning with a torn ACL. That defence that was so dominant in the first few weeks, it's amazing how much of an impact just losing you know, one guy in particular. I know they've had some other injuries on the defensive side of the ball, but Bud Dupree alongside TJ, what that sort of double, you know, double attack, if you like, losing that, it seems to have sort of blunted that pass rush and all of a sudden now teams don't appear to be so scared as they possibly would have been a month ago. Yeah, um, Kieran, I just wanted to know if you if you know Deontay Johnson's favourite American chocolate bar. Oh God, well, what is it? It's obvious. It's something to do with drops, I know that much. It's a Butterfinger. Bravo, bravo. Yeah, I mean, it, I, I oh, think God. actually the the bud dupree thing was the kind of evil icing on on the cake in terms of that shift uh, away from the steelers kind of being kind of this intimidating unit i think when they lost devin bush that to me was actually a bigger a bigger loss and not a lot of people might know lots about devin bush but second year inside linebacker he is an absolute monster he's an absolute tackling machine and they haven't managed to replace him. And then Robert Spillane gets injured as well, who was um, Devin Bush's replacement. And you're starting to kind of go deep into that, deep into the depth chart. You're kind of bringing up people that you weren't expecting to do any more than play some special teams kickoff coverage. And suddenly they're kind of in the in the starting lineup. And that's when it starts getting scary. And then as, as we've covered, that running game, I mean, what was James Connor's stat line? Not you know, not worth turning up for really. Um, just just shocking. And you know, this the the Steelers, you think of the Steelers as this this kind of you know lunch power type team. You think of Jerome Bettis, you remember kind of the, the good old days of that kind of power run, Merrill Hodge, you know, real kind of gutsy, kind of up the middle, four-yard grinding kind of thing. And it's just completely gone away. And that ridiculous game plan of you know getting Big Ben to throw 50 passes a game. You're not going to win anything with that. It's just not going to happen. You have to, you have to keep possession of the ball. And and I, honestly, I if I was if I'm um, Mike Tomlin, I'm keeping Deontay Johnson off the field because James Washington, who is the fourth string receiver, um, he is he's probably the best receiver they got at the moment. Um, and he's the fourth string. Chase Claypool has disappeared out of sight in the last four to five weeks. After that insane four-touchdown performance, he has not done anything special for quite a while now. And you still look at him, he's still like a, a monster of a human being, but he's he hasn't done anything. And that that the the confidence of that receiving unit is is pretty much at ground zero at the moment. Yeah, plenty of issues for the Steelers. My heart bleeds. Don't cock it up tonight, Cleveland. Week 17, Pittsburgh, Cleveland for the division. Oh, the stuff dreams are made of. But let's get to the team that are now the new number one seed in the AFC, involved in a bit of a ding-dong battle, it's got to be said yesterday. The Chiefs uh, making a comeback and then ultimately holding off a spirited performance from the Miami Dolphins, Tim. Um, started off badly. I'm sure you're going to mention the uh, the longest sack in history, um, which was really sort of summed up the 
the first quarter of play from the Chiefs, but they, they got their act together. But like I say, ultimately, ended up hanging on in the end, didn't they? Yeah, just a, just a word on that that thirty yard uh, that thirty yard sack. It reminded me of an international series game between the uh, the Chargers and the Saints, where uh, I think Drew Brees just ran backwards and just threw it mm. through the end zone. It kind of reminded me of that. I did wonder at one point whether he was, <laughs> was just going to say, "You know what, sod it, I'm just going to throw it through the end zone and we'll start again." Um, yeah, uh, Tony Romo made the comment in in commentary that he he thought that the Chiefs were a bit more more complete team this year, and I, I found that a bit surprising personally. I went through and looked at some stats and compared their team to last year they seem to be all kind of in the same same uh, same positions in, in terms of ranking in, in certain in certain metrics like points for yardage and all the rest of it so um whether or not he he's maybe uh, hinting at the fact that now that they've won the super bowl there's no longer that that you know you've not won one yet and maybe they're more complete because they've been there and done that possibly but in terms of the way they performed the you know, in terms of how they how they win games and and how they play i don't i don't really see there's too much difference between the, this team and, and the one from last year maybe you could argue the running game a little bit with damian williams but um, it is it's, it's still the same dominant Kansas City Chiefs uh, offense. I mean, yes, they, they sputtered early on and uh, Miami went to a 10 nothing lead. And the thing I will say about Miami is they went missing for two quarters. And if you take three interceptions away from Patrick Mahomes and only get 10 points, I'm sorry, but you're not going to win the game. So hopefully from, from Tua's point of view and Flores' point of view, I, I think that they probably would have learned a lot from that game. Um, so you can't you can't have three takeaways in the game and, and only have 10 points to show for it. Um, and, you know, it's, it's similar to, to last season. The Chiefs just score when they want and just, you know, once they click that button and let the machine go, you know, they had another uh, three touchdowns within three or four minutes of actual game clock time uh, either side of the half. And so, you know, unfortunately, it's going to be very hard to beat a Kansas City team. Um, on the defensive side of things, um, again, similar um, similar output in terms of Kansas City. They, they're able to, whether or not it was partly Miami, not quite knowing what they were doing, being 10, 10 nothing up and kind of turtlenecking a little bit. I'm not, I'm not too sure. But, um, you know, if things keep going in the way they are, the, the Kansas City Chiefs, anything stopping them from a number one seed is their trip to the Saints next week. Um but yeah, for, for Miami, I think there's still a lot of positives to take from this game. It was good to see that Tua didn't turtleneck up and, and go into his shell and kind of crumble when the, the Kansas City Chiefs just poured it on. Uh, it was good to see a fight back. It was good to see that he utilizes a lot of a lot of players that aren't necessarily starters. You know, you had uh, Gazicki obviously a nice couple of catches as well. Obviously, Preston Williams is down. Uh, Miles Gaskin was out for this one as well. And you know, you look at who they trotted out at wide receiver and running back. I mean, you know, you'll be forgiven for not knowing that who in, who was there. Um, yeah, I mean they're looking good. They, they should be. They're, they're more than uh, equipped to be a decent wild card team and, and give anyone a good go for their money. Um, they've got two. They've got have got a tricky set of games to to finish off this season. They go to Vegas and Buffalo. Uh, their last two games. Uh, I haven't got written down who they've got next week. I can't see in my notes. But we've got Patriots home to the Patriots next week, which they usually win anyway. So um, <laughs> they should take care of business there. Uh, maybe uh, Kieran and maybe looking forward to that podcast next week. Um, but I think yeah, Brian Flores and um, the GM's the GM's name escapes me. Um, but I can't remember his name off the top of my head. But they'll be. They're, they're, I think they're still well ahead of, ahead of schedule. Uh, obviously, it seems a long time ago now since we were arguing about whether or not it's the right time to bring him in. I think he's acclimatising well. He, like I say, he's he's 
got the grit between his teeth to bring his team back from a deficit against the Kansas City Chiefs, the reigning Super Bowl champions. Uh, and then just before I sign off, I just want a quick shout out to uh, Travis Kelsey, who just keeps on getting it done at the age of 31. I know it's tight end, so you get a bit more of a, sh- a shelf life, but he's, what, fourth in receiving yards last year in total, currently leads the league. He leads the league in receiving yards. So kudos to you, Mr. Travis Kelsey. Yeah, no, absolutely. He's uh, certainly a class above at that position, isn't he? Um, obviously, George Kittle in that conversation, but obviously struggled with injuries throughout the course of this year. Um, yeah, like so, the thing that I find when I'm watching the Chiefs, because I watched quite a lot of that game yesterday, um, with obviously now Brown's game for me to watch. And I don't know how you feel watching them, Lawrence, but even at 10 nil down, I didn't for one second think the Chiefs are going to lose this game. No, it's it's kind of when I, I I drew the the game in the in the predictions on the website, and I I, I managed to get it spot on. I, I said I said thirty three twenty three, so I wasn't too far off in terms of the scoring. Um, yeah, it was just one of those ones where it's 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 they they've just got a tap, haven't they? The Chiefs, you know, and as long as they realise actually how to turn on the tap, then. I don't think there's anybody that can turn it off. Um, that you know, even even McCole Hardman, who'd been kind of very very quiet. I don't quite know why they haven't been bringing McCole Hardman into the offense at all. But maybe maybe they don't even need him. But that that was a gorgeous punt return, and it's just kind of you you get killed everywhere offensively, and then then the special teams unit comes along and gets a touchdown just to rub it in. Yeah, it, it's it's very 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 hard to stop them and you know even even kind of savvy veteran sammy watkins you know just a little bit of love for him he's he comes up with those clutch catches he's not he's not a 150 yard a game three touchdown monster but he's he's coming up with those little clutch catches so they're just they're they're just blessed everywhere offensively and the offensive line's doing an amazing job so yeah it's it's I, i don't know how you stop them and I think the only way you can do that is by having a, a monster running game. So I know we're coming on to talk about the Colts in a bit. So that could be very interesting. Yeah, and just just very quickly, final word to Kieran, just on the the Chiefs. I mean, the the, the Tony Romo comment, Tim. I heard it in commentary yesterday as well, and I thought similar to you that you know this this seemed like a very comparable team to where they were twelve months ago. I think everybody just has this assumption that because they drafted Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and they've obviously now got Le'Veon Bell, that the running game's had a big uptick. If there is any weakness with the Chiefs, it's I feel more confident in them converting third and 15 than I do in them converting third and one. What Should there be any concerns, Kieran, in terms of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, you know, once we get to January, there's, you know, potentially weather to deal with, you know, you're going to have tougher defences to play. Um, you know, that would be the only concern for me at the moment if I was the Chiefs. Yes, they've obviously got Mahomes and all those weapons on the outside, but if they need to rely on the ground game, you know, for me, Clyde Edwards there flashed in his debut, has shown very brief glimpses in other games, but he hasn't really set the world a lot like a lot of people thought he was going to, has he? Uh I don't really think they're using him like he should be used. Obviously, I saw him play a bunch at LSU and it was He's he's very he needs to sort of be used on gap runs only because he's got those really explosive hips and that real low center of gravity and he can hit gaps perfectly. And I mentioned a ton before this season and I said he's not gonna he's not a downhill runner. He's a guy who's gonna get you five, six yards. He's gonna 
not necessarily break tackles, but he'll drag someone with him for a couple extra yards. And I think, I mean, they added Lev Bell, but that caught from Le'Veon Bell there, it kind of seems like a, a ring tra- chaser situation from there. He's sort of uh, playing up to uh, what's his face from uh, Golden State Warriors. He was uh, he just sort of the run game. I don't know why they can't get going. And I know they're obviously missing a key piece in their offensive line with Lawrence Duvernay, Tardif, MD. I'll give him his uh, doctorate there because the NFL won't let him have it on his jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I just don't think they're really using him correctly because we saw at LSU, he can be a threat in the passing game, but he, Clyde Edwards-Zelaire is the best on a five or six-yard little run hitting a gap then because his lateral speed is way better than his uh, downhill speed. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's just, um, you know, I, I don't think they're using him right. And that's actually, uh, I think that's the biggest problem with their run game. But I, I think Tim actually did want to make a point about that. Yeah, I think what I think what says it all is the fact that you look. There's a there was a crucial fourth down. I think it was towards when they were sorting the, the game away. They went rather than running the ball, they went to Tyreek Hill on a on a on a, a slant out a slant out route, and they did a bit of of whatever. I think that says all you need to know about the, the run game uh, for for Kansas City. Yeah, maybe they can get Legarrett Blunt out of retirement. That's what they need, just a bruiser to just take <laughs> it two yards on third and one and then sub him back off again. But, uh, Lawrence, you teed yourself up beautifully because the next game we're going to talk about is the Colts. That's a team that can certainly run the football. They ran it all over the Raiders yesterday, in particular Jonathan Taylor. I'm sure you're going to get to him. Um, it was obviously probably the biggest matchup in terms of both teams from a playoff perspective in the AFC yesterday. Um, I know Tony's watching. God bless you, Tony. Join us every week and he's commenting along. Big Raiders fan. But I hate to ask, is it time to stick a fork in those Raiders, mate? And obviously, are the Colts for real? Yeah, I mean, we we, we were saying a couple of weeks ago, weren't we, that this this will be a game that will absolutely separate the men from the boys. And, and that is absolutely what the Colts ended up doing to the Raiders. They, I, I think they've actually separated them from a playoff berth. Um Aside from that one loss, sort of that one sort of beat down um, against the Titans, the, the Colts have now won four out of their last five. They started the season five and three, and and now they're kind of, you know, nine and four and, and kind of res- doing a respectable job. And what have they got left? They've got the, the dead Texans, the dead Jaguars, and a nose-diving Steelers team in the last three weeks. So they they you know they've got a really legitimate shot at twelve and four. Yes, the Steelers you know they they're going to give them a game, but they've they've got a, you know they have a real possibility of, of finishing up twelve and four, which is a really really good record and probably the best best record Philip Rivers has had for a, quite a few seasons. Um, and the the team that the that the Colts beat the Raiders they they've allowed a hundred and fifty points. Um, exactly 150 points in their last four games, um, losing three and requiring a miracle, as it was a couple of weeks ago, more commonly known as a, as a zero blitz, to overcome a winningless Jets team. So that, that's how bad it's been for the Raiders. And therefore, it was absolutely no shock whatsoever that the Raiders sacked their defensive coordinator on Sunday night. Paul Gunther is now... Um, taking his collecting his p45 um and as we kind of near to that coaching carousel we're going to see what happens there this is i I read a stat about gunther he managed to have between 2018 and 2020 he managed to coach 
five games for the Raiders where they had zero sacks and zero turnovers, um, which is just, you know, that that's that's stealing money from your employer, if you ask me. Mm. So he's been replaced by Rob Marinelli for the rest of the season. And and I think the wheels, the wheels of fortune that those um, those roulette wheels, as we as we would be using, are coming right off the Raiders' playoff bus. Um, but somehow, somehow they're clinging on to a winning record after 13 weeks, seven and six. As you say, they allowed 212 yards rushing to the Colts, and that was almost expected when you kind of you know looked how porous that Raiders' defense has been this season. But the fact that they didn't lay a single finger, well, they, they I lie, they managed one quarterback hit one quarterback hit in the entire game um, against a quarterback who's probably got the same ability as Jabba the Hutt after a, an all-night tequila session in a tattooing strip joint. But, you know, that was their absolute downfall. Um, Rivers was given time to find his targets, found T.Y. Hilton for two touchdowns. T.Y. Hilton is absolutely um, en fuego at the moment. Um, that's three three weeks in a row he's been scoring touchdowns and he's He's looking like his old self. Um, what was a bit shocking was the fact that the Raiders managed to keep this game actually competitive going into the fourth quarter. They were only down by seven going into the fourth quarter. And in fact, they had an early lead. Um, you know, they, they managed to get 14-10 up after going 10 nothing down. So they were, they were keeping it competitive for three quarters, but it was an absolutely false dawn. Colts looked in control really throughout the game and Jonathan Taylor's second touchdown with under 10 minutes left was was the dagger and then a, a Kari Willis 50-yard interception pick six was like a, you know, twisting the dagger around the rib cage of the Raiders um, and, and that was kind of all she wrote really. Um, they... The Colts knew they had to keep Darren Waller, who's you know one of one of the top three or four tight ends out of the end zone to win. They managed to do that. Nelson Aguilar did have a, a mildly good game, hundred yards. Um, Aguilar's actually fourth in the NFL in yards per catch, and it was his seventh touchdown of the season. So he's quietly doing stuff. So if you you know if you're doing DraftKings, he's a nice cheap pickup um i just haven't got the confidence to play him but you know he, he did well on on sunday and he's just one touchdown off of his eight touchdown record that he had as an eagles player in 2017 um the remainder of the raiders schedule is not actually the worst out there they've got home games against two rookie quarterbacks they've got the Chargers and the dolphins and then they got a trip to denver to finish the year so they, they could win two out of three and put them at nine and seven. But I think nine and seven is not enough to get in the playoffs in the AFC. Um, if they lose to Miami in week 16, it is kind of completely all over. So they're, they're hanging on by a, by a kind of by a thread at the moment. And, and what it does do, Sean, is it makes that Ravens-Browns game tonight even juicier. There's, there's lots of investment, not just Ravens and Browns fans in that game. Lots and lots of investment. And um, Brown's win keeps Vegas alive, barely, whereas a Ravens win will make that, that wildcard race almost impossible for them to get into. Um, and we've just got to give one shout-out to um, Colts defensive back Kenny Moore for his absolutely spectacular end zone, one-hand interception, his kind of Beckham-esque job of doing it. Um, and again, right in front of Darren Waller. And it was in a... 
quite a crucial situation in the game. It was um, 14-17. If, if um, Derek Carr would have, would have hit Darren Waller, it would have been 21-17. The, the Raiders would have been coasting, and who's to say they wouldn't have put 40 points up? I mean, this is a team that put 40 points up against the Kansas City Chiefs. So they've got potential to, to put a lot of points up. But that interception was was a real, real game, game changer. And so I think, yeah, Kenny Moore, um, play of the day. Yeah, it was certainly the catch of the weekend, wasn't it? And um, Tim, we've joked plenty on here about Philip Rivers and we all had a good chuckle at that play a few weeks ago when he was uh, straddled on his backside. Um, the one thing that has been noticeable, <laughs> there, there it is, Kieran, absolutely. The the thing that has been noticeable for me, and it's, it's certainly not every play by any stretch of the imagination, but the Colts have had so many different players actually take a snap from under centre, whether it's actually putting a running back there, bringing Jacoby Brissett in, and, you know, all of a sudden, these, you know, the defensive side of the ball is thinking, well, hang on, who've actually got a mark here? You know, who, who am I covering? Who's going to run the ball? You know, and, and Jacoby's obviously got the threat of passing it also. It's all of a sudden giving them an extra dimension in the playbook, hasn't it? Yeah, it has. I think you have to give a bit of um, kudos to Frank Reich. I think it's obviously clear, obviously there's, there's troubles in, in Philadelphia, but it's clear to see that Frank Reich is, is, is given a decent... He's going to be a decent head coach in the, in the future years to come. He's deserved his shot, and he's he's getting creative. He's confident. He's he, obviously he's got the weapons. He's got the players around him to be able to operate his offense. Uh, but and the, and the, the players um, are, are executing it perfectly. It obviously, helps when you've got a, a stellar offensive line. It will be interesting. Obviously, looking further ahead than this season, who they bring in at quarterback, whether or not they they re bring in Philip Rivers, or they you know obviously they just signed him to a one year was it twenty five million dollar deal. Be interesting to see what they do at quarterback next season um you know whether or not frank reich kind of handpicked obviously where well, you'd hope he handpicks it and but it'd be interesting to kind of see what style um he goes obviously philip rivers has his own style of of chucking the ball it's absolutely abhorrent but um yeah it'd be interesting to see kind of the the evolution of, of the frank the frank reich offense and uh who they get to kind of signal call that yeah, one to keep a track of over the course of the off-season indeed. The Colts, for the time being, still remain in wildcard contention thanks to the Tennessee Titans still holding the divisional lead as things stand. They got back to winning ways yesterday, putting a beat down on the Jacksonville Jaguars, 31-10. to Derrick Henry, after kindly taking last week off, decided to turn up this week and rumbled for another monster day with over 200 yards. Uh, slight story, I suppose. Gardner Minshew, back playing quarterback for the Jags, don't really understand why he's been taken out, to be completely honest. I'm not saying he's the answer, but certainly we know Mike Glennon isn't. So, you know, we'll wait and see what the Jags do for the rest of the season. Can they get another win? I think uh, I think we gave them two wins back in week one, so they're halfway there, but they've been there for a long time, haven't they? Let's see if they can find another one. Uh, Denver, Carolina, I said in my preview piece, it could be a sneakily entertaining game, and it proved to be that way, particularly in the fourth quarter. It went backwards and forwards. Uh, really frustrating though, Drew Lock, isn't he? One of his better days this week. Four touchdown passes, some really good deep throws um, to KJ Hamler in particular. Cracking stat line for him, wasn't it? Two receptions, 86 yards, two touchdowns. That's the way to get the job done. That's what you call efficiency. 
uh, Teddy Bridgewater uh, held without a touchdown as the uh, Carolina Panthers' struggles continue after a little bit of a promising mid-season revival, um, but they drop to four and nine. Denver improve to five and eight. And the final game, just to catch up on in this little section, is the Butler's Bowl, the Chargers and the Falcons. They both tried their best to lose the game for each other, didn't they? Both driving with less than two minutes left, neither team having timeouts, both in field goal range, both turned the ball over. But ultimately, it was the Chargers that got the job done. Um, oh, the, the the first half, though, what on earth was that at the end of the first half? We we ridicule the Chargers every week, it seems, for clock management. But if you haven't seen the end of the first half, go check it out. They call a running play on third down to set up a fourth down. The offence basically stays on the field. Half the field goal unit are running out. It was just all kinds of a disaster. So probably poetic justice that the field goal unit got an opportunity to get the job done. And ultimately they did. Um, and they take the spoils in that one. Let's flip our attention then, fellas, across to the NFC. We've talked about all the sides there in the AFC side of the playoffs and the AFC teams that got victories yesterday. Let's move NFC and let's talk about probably the biggest surprise, I would say, for the weekend. don't think many people would have been picking this one. I am, of course, talking about the debut of Jalen Hurts. And Kieran, it's something you've talked about for a while, that they should at least experiment with it and see how it goes uh, it couldn't have really gone much better, could it? You know, getting a big win on the road in the uh, in sorry, not on the road. It was at home, but getting a big win over the Saints. Uh, you know, impressive weather. It's at home or away. Um, so yeah, great start for Jalen Hurts and uh, real surprise win there for the Eagles, mate. Uh, I had to say I told you so, but I told <laughs> you so. Um, I think it, it not necessarily that even that. I I think Carson Wentz is a bad quarterback I think I've made that clear but I think the biggest thing that Jalen Hurts did for this team because you know he was only 17 of 30 passes for a touchdown 167 yards but I think the biggest thing was he gave this team a shot in the arm he gave them he breathed some life into it like a bit of youth and almost a fresh start for them at this late point in the season a lot of people ignore it as well 106 yards on the ground Dude's got wheels. Like, we knew he was mobile in college and he could make plays. Uh, and that's what I like about him, as opposed to Carson Wentz, who a guy who is really limited in what he can do because of the way he plays the game. Jalen Hurts makes plays. It doesn't, I don't care about his passing stat line. He made it work and he made plays when plays were needed. Obviously, Miles Sanders as well. They broke a, what, 48 game streak, I think it was. The, uh, was. Well, even bigger streak then that the Saints had. A, nobody's rushed over for over 100 yards on them in, you know, years. And then Miles Sanders almost accomplished that with just one, one rush at one point. I think at one point in the game, he had more yards on one run than the entire New Orleans offense did. So, and I think we're pretty much done with the Taysom Hill experiment at this point. I think you should probably be over that. He's clearly not a good quarterback. He clearly, look, he can't, I'm not saying the Eagles are a good team, but you should be able to beat that terrible Eagles offense if you're a starting court. Man's 30 years old and he can barely throw a football. Uh, look, 
this we knew this game was going to be different for the Eagles. We knew Jalen Hurts was going to be life into the team, but at the end of the day, it's still the same Eagles team we've been seeing. It it wasn't particularly impressive, but they made the plays they needed to to win this game. And I I think New Orleans need to take a step back now and say, hey, maybe Taysom Hill isn't the guy. Maybe we should start the goat, Jameis Winston. Maybe we should start eating some Ws. I look, it's. It was a bad game for them, and their defense looked lost, which was weird to me because that defense has looked fairly competent all this year. And I mean, they've only really stopped Tom Brady and his noodle arm, but you know, they've they've played well enough to to get them to a point where they were what ten and two before this game. They were really one of the best teams in the NFC, and this is a disappointing loss for them going in against the Eagles team, who are pretty much only sitting where they are in the division because they took a draw against the terrible Cincinnati Bengals team. But, you know, I think Jen Hurts was just a shot in the arm for this team, and hopefully he can improve and improve and improve, and that'll be... I don't like giving the Eagles props. I think their fans are terrible people, but it really is a shot in the arm for this team, and I think that confidence, maybe just start Jalen Hurts for the rest of the season. There's only a few games left. Get him the experience, and you might be looking at a new starter down there in Philadelphia. Yeah, Lawrence, I know you want to come in and make a point on what Kieran just said there and obviously give you opportunity to do that. But just a question to you as well, if you can answer this for me. And whatever happened on the offensive side of the ball, and that may be what you want to talk about, um, Kieran mentioned there about a shot in the arm. What an impressive performance from this Eagles defence yesterday. Absolutely dominant. You know, they seemingly were in the backfield with regularity. You know, they put plenty of pressure on. Taysom Hill, just to make something absolutely clear, by the way, I'm not a Taysom Hill hater. I'm not a, you know, I, I, I don't dislike him. I, you know, I think he's great that he's been given an opportunity. I just wanted to see him throw the ball, which you know he didn't in that game against Denver when we sort of went in depth about him the other week. Um, but he faced a really tough defense here yesterday. Um, you know, so just words on the Eagles' defense, and obviously, you know, let you come back on anything that uh, you wanted to from Kieran there, mate. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm going to say I, I'm. I'm with you there, Sean. Um, there was definitely sweat all over the field. Um, Josh sweat, <laughs> that is. Two sacks. He wasn't even, ex, you know, expected to get a lot of um, game time. But he came on two, two absolutely monster sacks. Um, I just, I'm, I, I'm going to continue my disagreement with Kieran about Taysom Hill. Look at. Let's let's just look at a few little facts before we before we stick him in the NFL dustbin. He's now three and one as a starter. They barely lost. They lost by three points, um, and it was the the defense that absolutely capitulated um, on Sunday. You know, the, to to allow two one hundred yard rushers is I, I I put it on the Saints defense having a having a terrible game. I don't think Jason Hill had the again had the worst game ever you know we, if you want to talk about people like Dwayne Haskins we can talk about Dwayne Haskins in a bit you know he's in his own league Taysom Hill is <laughs> a better quarterback than Dwayne Haskins so you know let, let's let's not get too carried away with the the Taysom Hill hating he's 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 managed to babysit that team to a 75% win record in his four games yeah I don't think that's too bad. Yeah, he's okay. certainly not the yeah. Teddy Bridgewater. He wasn't undefeated as Teddy Bridgewater was last season when he stepped in for um, Breeze being injured. But I still think he's done a half decent job. 
Yeah, he certainly wasn't the reason that they lost yesterday. That's absolutely true. So, Tim, final words on this game. You were obviously were, were sort of in the camp of, of sort of sticking with Carson Wentz. I mean, the, the one stat that really springs out on this, and we had a little disagreement with it last week, was just around how many sacks Carson Wentz had taken. All of a sudden, the worst offensive line in football doesn't give one up. Impressed or, or not? Uh, well, one thing I will say is, is it, the reason for the the, the Saints' defense was were flummoxed was probably because they've got no tape on Jalen Hurts. This is what I mentioned a couple of weeks ago: is that he'll come in and he'll do he'll he'll perform as he is performing, and like I say, he's he's. His passing performance wasn't great, but no one's got any tape on this guy. No, they, you, you've got you're the Saints' defense. You've got a blank canvas straight in front of you. You have no idea what is coming. You have no idea on specific plays for Jalen Hurts. And this is what I'm saying. Although you might be getting the wins now, come next season when you when teams get start get a bit of tape on them, and you know, like say you. Yeah, Jalen Hurts made plays when he needed to make plays. Once teams have tape on you for those kind of situations, those will go straight out the door, and then the, the, you, those wins start to become losses. So that, that's the reason why the, the defense wasn't able to get any penetration, was not able to get any, um, and, you know, make Jalen Hurts you know, sweat, sweat <laughs> I suppose, is the way it's a bit. But um, yeah, yeah, but it, yeah, you, you would still expect to taste in the hill when a Sean Payton New Orleans Saints team to go in there and win. Obviously, devastating loss in terms of it could cost them the first round by. Um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Well, one thing I will say actually, when when um, Lawrence mentioned if you want to talk about you know, comparing Dwayne Haskins and Taysom Hill, it's like comparing stubbing your big toe and stubbing your little toe, isn't it? It's, they're, they're both still crap. <laughs> <laughs> Well, look, I'm, I'm, I think Tyson Hill, I'm, I'm in the Lawrence's game. I think he's done a decent enough job. We'll see how it goes. Drew Brees potentially back this week. We'll wait and see how that uh, plays out. You mentioned there, though, Tim, it obviously potentially could cost the Saints the number one, the team that potentially benefit because of that, of course, are the Green Bay Packers. They got the job done again, seemingly, for me, in second gear throughout, um, although the scoreline suggests it was a... A close one. I think I saw one stat. Didn't they hold the ball for like 14 minutes of the third quarter or something? Absolutely ridiculous. It just seems as though they could do what they wanted at will. Um, another great day for Aaron Rodgers. Um, we have just had a comment right on cue. There you go. Rodgers for MVP. I think it's uh, pretty hard to disagree. I think we're down to probably a two-horse race in terms of that one. And certainly if you were basing it on yesterday, Rodgers outperformed Patrick Mahomes. He was uh, superb again yesterday, mate. Yeah, he was. I, I think for me, I, my money would still be on Mahomes. Um, obviously, Mahomes' three picks means that, um, obviously, statistically, I suppose, Rodgers is maybe marginally marginally shading it. But I think when it's when it's close like that, the voters and the way that it's kind of done is that they'll look at the record. And I think the Chiefs' record uh, will ultimately give Mahomes the votes over, over Aaron Rodgers. But yeah, um, it, you know, if this was a horse race, I suppose you'd, I, I would say Mahomes is probably a length clear. Uh, over over Rogers, but again, you've got a couple of weeks. You know, Mahomes next week um, could see his MVP you know crash and burn if if they lose to the to the Saints, and the, obviously if the the Packers then win out. So again, this time next week could be having a slightly different conversation. Um, but talking of the Packers, I don't understand. I don't see a scenario where they don't now finish up with the one seed. They've got the Panthers, the Titans, and the Bears, uh, and even if the the Titans and Derek Henry run, run all over all over them, you have to think the Saints lose one of the Chiefs, Vikings, and Panthers games. Probably the Chiefs next week. Um, but yeah, they were they were quite workmanlike in this one. Uh, they shut down the Lions for the most part. They, they controlled um, pretty much and did whatever they, whatever they wanted to do. Uh, and then talking of MVPs, I think Matt Lafleur has to go into consideration for Coach of the Year. 
um, finally going to get um, kind of credit for he's not been really been given as much credit as he probably should have been and I'm, myself included I've not really given him much credit for, for last season's performance many people thought they were thawed but to come back and and essentially be the same team and be the same kind of identity and, and just continually do it and get it done um, yeah you have to you have to clap your hands together in a yeah, Jason Garrett style for that one Um yeah, Rogers obviously with, with his performance now leads the league in passing touchdowns with thirty nine. Obviously, ran one in 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 this one as well. Um, and like I say, I think he has one a couple of less sacks and one less interception on the season than Mahomes. So like I say, statistically probably maybe slightly edging it on on Mahomes. But about the game, um, yeah, Lions. I think Lions fans might impressed is probably too strong a word, but at least will ha- you know grimace a little bit and say that they're, they're fighting and they're trying to stay in games. They, I mean, it was tied at the half, I think, wasn't it? Um, and then the, the, the Packers just came out and, and did what they wanted to do. But, um, you know, Packers now won seven of the last 10 NFC North. So, um, obviously, they've they've had a stranglehold in that division four for the last decade or so. Uh, and Devontae Adams, another sh- shout out to him, breaks a franchise record with eight eight touchdowns in consecutive games. Uh, nice catch, uh, catch and run, obviously, a lot of yak on, on that one. And a couple of nice grabs from Fadis Scanton as well, including a, a tuddy as well. Um, for me personally, I'd love to see a Chiefs Packers Super Bowl, I think it would be great. I just think with, with Green Bay, I think what sets Green, uh, the Chiefs apart from Green Bay and what is kind of the slight on Green Bay is you always feel there's just that one game where he Aaron Rodgers is going to come out and just think, you know what, can't be asked today. Just going to just going to throw it away, and they're just going to throw a stinker. And I think that the run game of, of Jones and Jamal Williams didn't really get too much going, and they've not really got anything going too much in the last couple of weeks from from what I've seen as well. So similar to the Chiefs in the sense that the, the ground game is probably not one of their one of the things they want to be shouting from the from the from the top of the mountains about. But um, yeah, I just think Aaron Rodgers uh, still. Yeah, I, th- I still think there's one game in there, and it'll probably come in the playoffs. One game where he's just not going to turn up and just going to throw his toys out of the pram. Well, hopefully it's not. Uh, if it is a KC Green Bay Super Bowl, let's hope for the neutral that it's certainly not that game that that uh, that, that happens. Let's talk about a few of the other games that involved predominantly NFC teams or NFC teams got the result that they were looking for. Uh, Tampa Bay against Minnesota, another one um, that probably had playoff implications for both. Tampa pretty much solidifying their spot in the wild card with a win against Minnesota, who now slipped to the I think their eighth seed, if you like. So on the outside looking in, uh, pretty comfortable day at the office, it's got to be said, for Tampa Bay in that one. Talking of comfortable days in the office, Chicago. Boy, oh boy, oh boy. Who on earth saw that one coming? 36 points for the Bears. That's probably more than they've scored in the last month, isn't it, put together? 36-7 to over Houston. Uh, big shout-out to Jordan Akins, who I played in DraftKings, and he dropped the most easy touchdown you will ever see in your life. You absolute numpty. Thank you very much, Jordan Akins, and everybody else on the Texans that had an absolute stinker. Uh, Cincinnati, Dallas. Uh, Dallas, comfortable victor- uh, victory in this one, 30-7. Andy Dalton back at his old stomping ground. A couple of touchdowns, uh, including a cheeky one right at the end to Tony Pollard uh, when the game was already taken care of. Um, but yeah, Dallas back to winning way. Cincinnati just cannot wait for the season to end. Uh, the Rams got the win on Thursday night football. We will very quickly gloss over it, Kieran. Uh, but 24 points to three. Um, another da- bad day at the office for the New England offence and obviously the defence. And special teams couldn't uh, bail them out this time around. The Rams looking like a real strong team in that NFC um, they will be a force to contend with in the playoffs. I think the Seattle Seahawks are pretty much guaranteed to join them there as well. Uh, it's going to take 
a pretty big collapse, I would suggest, over the next couple of weeks. Uh, they absolutely battered the New York Jets 40 points to three. Um, so much so that Russell Wilson and a host of others were pulled out of this one in the third quarter. Uh, real comfortable day at the office. Obviously, firing Greg Williams was exactly what was required in New York, wasn't it? Not. And, of course, the other New York team that had had a little bit of a crest of momentum, crashing back down to earth. 26 points to seven. The Cardinals take care of business against the Giants. Daniel Jones back in this one for me. Didn't seem like he was ready. Can't McCoy ended up coming into the ball game. Um, but yeah, again, another fairly comfortable routine victory for Arizona. So a few blowouts that we sort of caught you up there. And of course, the big winners in all of that, of course, Lawrence, is the Washington football team. Uh, when we spoke last Monday, um, they obviously hadn't kicked off. They got the somewhat surprising or somewhat expected, depending on your persuasion, win on Monday night against the Steelers. Um, and then obviously followed that up with another absolutely massive defensive display. I don't think I've ever seen anything as dominant as Chase Young's display yesterday. He was absolutely all over the field. If anybody was questioning why he was the number two overall pick in the draft, I think he absolutely shut anybody up yesterday. Um, You can see why there was talk of him going number one overall, and obviously it's only because Cincinnati were desperate for a quarterback that he probably didn't. Um, But, you know, what an, again, another absolutely stellar performance from this defensive line. Um, You know, we were talking in the group chat yesterday. For me, best defensive line in football, and certainly playing that way at the minute, mate, you must be thrilled with your former side. Yeah, I was just going to say, wait, wait a second here. Since I've abandoned them, of Washington just won their last four games, not allowed a team to score over 17 points as well in that entire stretch. And to top it off, they're in not joint, but sole possession of the NFC least at the moment. Maybe, maybe I should reject a team I support for 35 years more often. So you know, when I'm when I'm about eighty, I'll, I'll stop supporting the Ravens. No, to be to be fair, I, I'm I am very 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 happy. Um, I mean, this this was um, the an absolute kind of coming out party for um, one guy, and I just want to give you a nice little sound effect here for you. Very good. Very good. There we go. So hopefully you all appreciated that sound. Um, I mean, he he absolutely is the predator. Yes, he's young. And yes, he chased Nick Mullins for 60 minutes. Um, I think the only time that he stopped chasing Nick Mullins was when he picked the ball up to score a fumble recovery touchdown and kind of ran like a gazelle. You know, we, we've, we've got to pay credit to FA Abada. Um, who managed to um, almost score a touchdown before, boo, Jerry Judy made that that tackle. Um, but he didn't quite get there. Whereas Chase Young, once he had the ball in his hands, he, you know, have you ever seen a defensive lineman look that slick on a, on a fumble recovery return? He looked like he could have ran 200 yards and still not been out of breath at the end of it. So, yeah, that, that, was, that was kind of just, just awesome watching him in, in full stride. Um, he had a sack, six tackles, one for a loss, two quarterback hits, false fumble and a fumble recovery. Um, and that was his first NFL touchdown. And don't forget, he is still only 21 years of age. 
21. So my goodness, he has got a huge, huge career ahead of him. Um, and he, you know, almost goes without saying, but he's leading the NFL in terms of rookies with 5.5 sacks at the moment. That was the good news for Washington fans. The incredibly bad news was that Dwayne Haskins had to make his way back onto the field of play, which to me was the most depressing sight. That was probably the reason that I started, um, you know, my affair with the Baltimore Ravens because I just I just couldn't stomach seeing Dwayne Haskins on a field. So you, you got Alex Smith nursing a strained calf. And yes, it was the same leg that he had um, almost kill him. So got to give the guy credit and let him kind of try and just kind of rest that leg for a week. So, um, you know, on comes Dwayne Haskins and he has a, a miserable second half. Seven out of 12, 51 yards, zero touchdowns. I think the only thing, the, there was only two plus points from Dwayne Haskins taking the field. One, he didn't throw an interception. And two, he managed to successfully execute four quarterback kneels, including three at the end of the game. I mean, I was, get, I was getting incredibly nervous that he was going to do something stupid because he, he wasn't even, he, they weren't even composed, those kneels at the end. It was just like, please, for goodness sake, just put in the punter, let the punter take the knees. Just, I, 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 that, that was a horrific way for the game to end. Um, so Alex Smith, before, he was having an equally bad game and he, he only threw for just over 50 yards in the half. Um, and about the only, the only offensive player on Washington's team that had anywhere near something worth talking about was tight end Logan Thomas who had six catches, but his his catch total was under 50 yards. So I think that the whole Washington offense had, had, I think it was 191 yards. It was abysmal. So, you know, nothing to talk about. But this is where we talk about the Washington D, which did play absolutely lights out from the start to the end. Um, so you had that, um, you know, that first half pressure from Young and more long-limbed heroics from Montez Sweat. Um, but then Dustin Hopkins managed two field goals and going into the half, it was 7-6 to the 49ers. Jeff Wilson's one-yard touchdown, giving them the lead. Then Jonathan Allen gets the pressure. Chase Young picks up the ball, sprints for that touchdown, and, and that was it. The Washington had the lead for the rest of the game. Um, they came out in the second half. Dwayne Haskins had his only half-decent drive of the game, managed to get a field goal. Then we had another impressive rookie, um, Cameron Curl, who I doubt anybody has heard of um, until he scored his, his first touchdown. A huge pick six, pick six off of Nick Mullins. Um, so that's two defensive touchdowns. Um, a late Carl Yuschuk touchdown and two-point conversion meant the 49ers came within eight. Um, but that the defense hung on at the end. And, and a quick note at the end, Washington's defense scored 12 points. Dwayne Haskins in a half scored three and managed under, including all those lovely kneels, under 50 yards of offense in in heart in an NFL half. Um I'm 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 really worried for Washington. They go they're going up against Seattle, who has an absolutely porous defense. But if they're starting Dwayne Haskins, then I I, I might actually just not even watch the game. I, I 
cannot stand watching Dwayne Haskins take the field. Ye of little doesn't fight, come that, across that. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't come across at all, does it? Ye of little fight. That defense will carry you <laughs> a long, long way, my friend. Kieran, you wanted to say something on Washington? Yeah, a guy who Lawrence will definitely know who doesn't get enough credit on either stat sheets or by pundits, but the three hundred and twenty pound six foot three man mountain Deron Payne, who is so disruptive on that defensive line. That's why you see so much production from guys like Chase Young and Montez Sweat because Deron Payne is a scary human being. And because he can line up at the nose, free tech, five tech, whatever you need, he is in there and he is constantly being disruptive. And that is the reason why you're going to see so much production. I'm not saying Chase Young's not a brilliant player, but when you've got a guy like that who is constantly a threat and constantly disruptive, you have to make a game plan for that. You're going to see so much production from guys like Sweat and Young because of Deron Payne being in there and constantly being a threat. He's not lighting up a stat sheet. He's, you know, not really a feature player. But if you look how much he affects a team, he he could potentially be a defensive player of the year candidate in just what he does in terms of setting up stuff for other guys. But, you know, football is very stats driven, so you may not hear about him as much, but he is definitely a standout player on that defensive line. He's the sort of guy that when you get the NFL top 100, which is voted for by the players, he should make an appearance for the first time. So, yeah, I, I look out for him to probably be in the 90s because defensive linemen do not get, unless you're Fletcher Cox um, or Aaron Donald, you're not really going to get the the headlines. But, yeah, absolutely agree. Him and Jonathan Allen have just been plugging away all season. And and that was my, my biggest bugbear against Washington going back as far as I can absolutely remember um, is the the fact that they can't tackle and what they have actually proved this season is that they can tackle. Um, so I'm, I'm, I am, I, that, that to me, even if the, the season ends kind of six and 10 or whatever happens, the fact is that that, that defense is playing and it's playing to the whistle and it's playing hard and that, you know, I can't ask for more. Well, I can, I can ask for Dwayne Haskins to not even get on the bus. Um, <laughs> Get off your high horse. The Washington football team are playing well. Let's move along, fellas, because we're going to talk a little bit, actually, because this this is what started a debate in our group, chatted about half past midnight. I think we're all a bit tired, all a bit cranky, and we just said we can't really be asked to argue with each other. But we've obviously got differences of opinion, so let's have a little bit of a discussion about it now. We've joked about the NFC East all season, and we've said that somebody has got to ultimately go and win it. And it, it almost feels a little counterproductive at this stage now, doesn't it, that Dallas got a win yesterday, that the Eagles got a win yesterday. If it's all going to be in vain because they're going to end up sitting behind Washington anyway, um, you kind of think, well, what's the point? And, and maybe do we even take that further and say, well, yeah, that's great, Washington, you're going to win the division, but you're now going to be picking somewhere in the, the 20s in the draft when actually if it was just done purely on record, you, you'd still be in line for you know, probably what, something around the 10 to, to sort of 12 sort of area, I would guess. I don't have the exact number in line. But, uh, you know, this is what started the debate yesterday. Um, so, I think, you know, Tim, I think it's safe to say that me and you have got very different opinions on this. So, I'll let you open up the debate, my friend. I will do the gentlemanly thing. You let you get your uh, your shot across the bows first. So, 
you, you're of the firm belief that uh, winning at this stage actually should be sacrificed because ultimately you do yourself more harm than good. Yeah, so so for me, right? I'm a Washington. I'm a Washington football team fan. The, then the, that team winning the last four games, potentially, right? And, and I don't want to hyperbole the, the the ripple effect. It could be one of the worst things the Washington football team do, right? Because that is, they've won the last four straight, and by winning by winning their last two, they've gone from yeah, potentially if they obviously win the division, the worst they can be is the the nineteenth pick, right? They could be a top ten overall pick. You've got a defense, you've got all the stars on that defense, and yeah, the difference between top ten pick. Uh, to, to clearly, the Washington football team are in the market for a quarterback next offseason, right? They haven't got any cap space, or they've got very little cap space because they've, you know, they've invested in Alex Smith this year and whatever, whatever he's, whatever he is next year. But that that could be the difference between like Trey Lance, who's going to be a top, he's going to be in the top ten, and you've got Kyle Trask and, and Mac Jones, who might be a bit a bit later on, right? So you're you're telling me. That from a Washington's perspective, that you would rather you know, restrict yourself on the quarterbacks that are available at the back end uh, of of the first round of the draft or early second or, or whatever. Like you want to pigeon your whole, you pigeonhole yourself into who you can select, all because you want to play one game in January, right? Let's just say uh, hypothetically that they're going to go to the playoffs and do one and done because they're going to face you know, decent teams. Yes, they've beaten the Steelers, but we all think they're forwards anyway, right? Alex Smith uh, should be a hundred million miles away from that team in 2021. Dwayne Haskins will probably be in the XFL and be the worst quarterback in that league as well, right? You've got almost 17% of your of your cap uh, invested in that, in that offensive line, and you're going to trot out you know you're going to try out people like uh, Alex Smith, who's done, he's done well. Again, he he's not the future, right? But, but you want to sacrifice um, having obviously you're not going to get Trevor Lawrence, obviously you're not going to get Justin Fields, but you want to sacrifice yeah, the rest of those those quarterbacks um, just because you want to play one game in the in the playoffs. I think the long term damage that could do um, could be could be seen for for years and years and years you've you've got a rookie rookie running back who is a star you've got a star wide receiver in terry McLaurin, and you've got logan thomas who's up and coming and been absolutely fabulous this season but you haven't seen anything like that since jordan reba's healthy and not getting concussions yeah you are one quarterback away and probably a wide receiver too and read the re-signer of brandon scherf away from being an absolute real dark horse and yeah i'm not going to say dynasty but you could be a force to be reckoned with for, for years and years and years because you've got so many star studded players that are um De- now, on team-friendly deals or deals that help the team build around a rookie quarterback. Um, and you know, uh, Sean, you said in your rebuttal that there are good players in each end of, uh, round of the draft. But quarterbacks outside of round one are very hard to get. You don't get Dak Prescott's, you don't get Russell Wilson's growing on trees, and you're restricting yourself into the pool of players that you are predicting for, for that quarterback. It's, it's just a quarterback you need. You don't need anyone on defense. You maybe just need a wide receiver, which you can pick up in in any round of, of, of the draft. If you if you've get, if you if you had a quarterback that would be there for next year, uh, say that hypothetically, if Alex Smith is there next year, if you could pick a quarterback that can sit for a year, then fine. I'm I'm all aboard with Washington going for it. But the fact is, whoever they pick next year in next year's draft, and I would be absolutely, I will get a tattoo or whatever you guys choose if Washington don't take a quarterback next season, right? If they if if they, if they had a quarterback that they could pick and sit for a year, I'm I'm all behind it. But the fact that they're going to be the week one starter next season, and whoever it is, you, you know, if you're picking from people like the Jake Fromms, the Will Grizz, and Mason Rudolphs in the latter rounds, second round onwards, I'm sorry, but you you you're just going to be in exactly the same position in 2022 where you've got uh, another quarterback. Yeah, you, you 
how many times have we seen teams in the middle of the drafts and just do constant, you know, 500 seasons or, you know, seven and nines, nine and sevens or whatever, just can consistently go around that cycle and not improve just because they've not had that, that pick where they've had a top 10 pick and then allowed them to, you know, mm. to, to, to make that step on. It's like just, it's worse than finding, I'd rather find a needle in the haystack uh, to be quiet and trying to find a quarterback in the, in the later rounds. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't. Sorry, and just a, just a final point. I know that I've I've seen a stat that since Alex Smith has come in, they've been a top ten offense uh, in the last four, four or five games. But they've played Detroit, Cincinnati, Dallas, and Pittsburgh. Two of those wins, the ground game demolished them. The other two wins, the defense won them the game, and obviously they lost the other one. Um, so you know the offense, whilst they have won games, they've even been given three points off the defense or short field. If you have a at least competent quarterback there behind uh, on a, on a rookie deal, and is you know you get. A, Essentially, the pick of the litter outside Lawrence and Fields. I'm sorry, but Washington could could have a, a decent team for for five to ten years if they if they play it right. And I just think that the, the four wins over the last four weeks is is putting that in jeopardy. So I'm going to come in and then I'm going to bring you boys in at the bottom of the screen because I'm not 100% sure of your opinions on it. Lawrence is absolutely chomping at the bit to get in here, obviously, <laughs> as a Washington fan. But just from my perspective, and for me, it's a very simple answer, and maybe it's too simple with the way that I answer this, but. I just thought we played this game to win. Yeah, you do. That's, that's the thing for me. So it's like, I, I understand where you're coming from, but I just don't understand why. If you've got a chance to win your division, at the end of the day, there's only going to be one team out of 32 every year that can win the ultimate prize. Everybody wants to win the ultimate prize, but we all know that you know it, it's one in 32 teams that are going to get that opportunity. And unfortunately, you know, yes, the Patriots have booked the trend and have won it with regularity over the course of the last 10, 15 years. Um, but realistically, they're the only team to have ever done that. If Washington make the playoffs... They, they then have, yes, they're not going to be anybody's favourites at the start of the playoffs, but they have a 1 in 14 chance, which is a much better chance than a 1 in 32 chance that they had at the start of the season as being the team that ultimately takes the prize at the end of the day. Now, I've sat through 0-16 and seen the Browns draft Miles Garrett. I've seen the Browns go 1-15 and and draft Baker Mayfield. We're now three years later on, and the Browns still haven't secured a playoff berth. You know, the same draft that Baker Mayfield was taken, Sam Darnold went number three to the New York Jets. Josh Allen went to Buffalo later on in the draft. It does, you know, Being anywhere in the draft doesn't guarantee you anything other than an opportunity to make your selection earlier. It doesn't mean you're going to get your selection right. There's other things that come into the equation as well in terms of the system that's in place, the surroundings, the supporting cast that are there. I mean, I, I don't know, and I'm not, I'm not uh, claiming to have watched tons of the Washington football team, but I think they've got a lot more holes to address than what you've probably said there. I think they're certainly more than a, a number one receiver, a number two receiver, and a competent quarterback away from having a sustainably good offense. Um, you know, I think for me, they've got a lot of holes. Their, their opportunity is right in front of them now. If you're Washington, you're assuming next year that Dak Prescott's coming back and the Cowboys are playing better. If you're Washington, you're sitting there thinking, surely the Eagles aren't going to have as many injuries next year. And all of a sudden, you might end up with the same record next year. You might even improve your record. But you could be sitting at, at nine and three at this stage and, and being second in the division because you don't know what the other sides are going to do. For me, it's all in front of Washington as things stand at the moment. They control their destiny. As Lauren said, they're now in sole possession of that um, divisional lead for the first time in a few weeks. And... You know, if I was them, I'd be absolutely riding this as far as I absolutely could. I think you know you worry about the future 
when you get to it. You know, I think they're going to have to be creative in terms of whatever they do to address the quarterback position because, like you say, you know, the top two are going to probably go off the board one and two, aren't they? The Jets are going to want a quarterback. The Jags are going to want a quarterback. So those two are gone regardless. Um, you know, so unless you're willing to force a trade, regardless of where you're picking, even if you were picking at schedule to pick at three, you're probably going to have to get rid of an awful lot of draft capital to move up into that top two. Uh, you know, so for me, whether you end up on the three slot, whether you end up on the 23 slot, I'm sure if I said to Lawrence, now I'll give you the 30-second selection in the draft, he would absolutely bite your hands off because that obviously means they've gone all the way and won the big one. So I'll very quickly bring you boys in. I'm a bit conscious of time. I think we could talk about this all night, and obviously me and Tim wouldn't agree on it. If we did talk about it all night, but that's the beauty of it. It's all opinions. Neither of us are right or wrong. we just got a different view on it. So, boys, just very quickly, Lawrence, you were chomping at the bit, so I'll bring you in just to get your views on it as the Washington fan. Yeah, just I'm going to try and be calm about this. Um, let's just look at a few little facts here. Six teams have won a Super Bowl from a wildcard position. Not a one-off. Six different teams have won a Super Bowl from the wild card. The Raiders, the Broncos, the Ravens, the Steelers, the Giants, and the Packers. They've all won a Super Bowl from a wild card position. So yeah, you've got to be in it to win it. And and I would every every single time take a seven and nine division win and an opportunity to do some damage in the playoffs. Um, and then lose some degree of um, my pick getting higher. Yeah, we've passed. We've passed the point. With with four wins, we passed the point of being able to get Trevor Lawrence. That that went a long, long time ago. Um, you know, Henry Ruggs basically has decided that the Jets are going to get um, <laughs> Trevor Lawrence if they want him. Um, whether they choose otherwise, up to them. But they're they're going to have that opportunity. Um, I yeah, I am I'm with you, Sean. I we you know you play to win. You look at historically, you know what have our teams been through in the last twenty years? Um, hell, 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 and more hell. So you know, and and drafting hell as well. You know, we've had high picks, and and you know what have we done? Pick Dwayne Haskins. You know what? Hey, we, you know, we, you know, we, we've picked Josh, Josh Doxson. Josh Doxson, who's that? Exactly, Josh Doxson. Unbelievable. So, you know, we just if that opportunity comes along, I say we take it. You look at the most historic seven and nine team in NFL history. What did they do? They delivered one of the most iconic plays in NFL history with the Beastquake. They were a seven and nine team. Look what they did. You know, it is possible. I think that the the glasses that Tim is where Tim's wearing are are slightly um, you know silver and blue in terms of kind of the, the perspective because I think he's he is seeing the future. He is seeing the future that that Washington do have an opportunity to be a dominant team. But let, let's let's just look at one. I'll give one more fact and then let Kieran talk. Um, the reigning NFL most valuable player. Where was he picked in the draft? Thirty second. Thank you very much. I rest my case, Your Honour. He'd be out of the league in two years. <laughs> 
Karen, we've got to wrap the debate up because there's still a few things we want to get to and we want to have a, a little bit of a chat about Monday night. We're already over the air mob. But just very quickly, you're obviously used to sort of perennially being in the playoffs anyway, so this conversation's all a bit foreign to you, mate. But uh, as you're sitting on the outside looking in there, would you rather the Patriots lost every game between now and the end of the season or would you still like to see them trying to get Ws on a Sunday? Yeah, we, we've scuffed our, our chance at good draft picks and so now we should just win, win, win. And I think Washington could do the same at the end of the day. It is any given Sunday and momentum is a hell of a drug and momentum can take like a terrible New York Giants team in 2011 <laughs> to a Super Bowl win. And I think at this point, when you've got a guy like Alex Smith, a very, very intelligent and very seasoned veteran, why wouldn't you drop in the draft? Maybe pick up a guy who's very talented, like uh, Trey Lance or a Zach Wilson, guys who are very, very unseasoned and raw, but with the right tutelage can become great. I don't think anyone expected Patrick Mahomes to be what he was. He was, yeah, tons of raw talent, big arm, but he didn't make good football decisions and he wasn't exactly a great quarterback at Texas Tech. So I think at this point, if you are Washington, you play to win because like I said, it's any given Sunday and momentum is one of the biggest biggest things in this league if you've got the momentum you can win it all so i think if you're washington you'd be stupid not to try but it'd be a hell of a story if they do win there you go ladies and gents tim was angry before we started and now we've all ganged up on him so get in touch with us at full 10 yards on twitter comment along you know Look, said it is all about opinions at the end of the day. Like I say, um, you know, we've all obviously got different ones. But uh, before we move on, fellas, just to wrap up the week, just a couple of shout-outs to a couple of the guys in the comments. I did flash it up on the screen, uh, but didn't want to cut you all off while we were talking there. Just a massive shout-out to Ian David, Ian, somebody who, again, regularly watches along, watching from hospital bed. Hope you are well, mate. Obviously, uh, you know, get well soon. Uh, you know, so uh, glad that we could cheer you up on this Monday night. And also from earlier on, big shout out to Jack Humphrey. Uh, get well soon as well, mate. We know that you've got, uh, you know, issues of your, your own accord with the dreaded COVID. Uh, fingers crossed, mate, for a speedy recovery there. And uh, yeah, like I say, glad we can bring a bit of NFL chat and cheer to your Monday evenings. Let's uh, get the week wrapped up then, fellas, very quickly because of time constraints. Uh, let's very quickly get a stat from each of you. Wear me with some numbers. Uh, so let's start off with Tim. Uh, okay, let me just get mine up. The Jets have now gone 16 straight games. So it's a full season's worth from free week 15 in 2019 through to week 14 in 2020, where their opponent has passed for more yards than them. Every other NFL team has won the passing yarded battle in at least five of their games this period. The Jets have lost all of them. Yeah, that offensive mastermind adam gase yeah another stat that he can add to his resume absolutely shocking aren't they but uh only three weeks to go new york fans only three weeks to go <laughs> that's a cracking impression tim that's uncanny mate absolutely uncanny uh kieran let's get one from you buddy uh, the Bills, 10-3 and three record, is their best through 13 games since 1991, where they reached Super Bowl 26. And who uh, won MVP that year? Oh, go on, Lawrence. Who won MVP? In Thurman Thomas. Yep, you're correct. Uh, and with that win... And who won Super Bowl 26? And with that win, the Patriots are officially eliminated from the AFC East title contention, snapping an Yay! NFL record streak of 11 straight 
titles. Du, 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 du. Go on, Lawrence. Finish us off, my friend. We we haven't even spoken about him. How have we got to this point in this podcast without talking about um, Hassan Reddick's performance? Mm. Guy, mm. disgraceful. Um, he's only the second player in the last 20 years to register five sacks and three forced fumbles in a game. Now, you know I'm going to throw a question back. No, here we go. So here there's we go. only one other guy that's done this in the past 20 years. I'll spot you the year and I'll spot you the team. So it was 2002 and it was the Green Bay Packers. So who else has registered five sacks and three forced fumbles in a game? No idea. <sighs> Go on. Only one guess. One guess. No, it's 2002. No, it's 2002. 2002. Oh, it's back then. Never mind. <laughs> Don't know, mate. Go on. You've, you've got us. Uh, because it's it's that time of year, it's Vonnie Holiday. Hey, very, very, very seasonal, mate. Nicely Stop done, it. nicely done. Indeed, indeed. Right, fellas, let's get some winners and losers from you. Um, that will wrap up the Week 14 review. So, Kieran, let's start with you. Give us a winner on the week. I'm going to go for the Englishman, F.A. Obada, with his massive play for the Carolina Panthers. The only person more excited than me was Vernon Kay on Twitter, if anyone <laughs> saw his video, who uh, I think Vernon Kay actually plays for F.A.'s former team, the London Warriors. So, yeah, big, big, big um, play for the Brits there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like you say, just a shame that Jerry Judy decided to spoil the party, wasn't it? Uh, particularly as they let the Panthers into the end zone, I think, on the next play anyway. You might well, as well just let FA have had his moment, shouldn't they? Tim, let's come to you on the negative side of things. Give me a loser, buddy. Yeah, cut out of the middle, man, eh? Uh, loser for me, mentioned it a bit earlier on. Uh, LA Chargers, Anthony Lynn, who took over special team duties. Uh, not a good look for him, was it? Third and one before halftime, uh, 22 seconds to go. Yeah, just run that Austin, uh, Kelly Barge up the middle, and then it's just put... Yeah, mute, mute it, put some Laurel and Hardy music on and just away you go. Um, yeah, just, I mean, to be fair, I actually thought it was maybe worth a measurement or I've actually got the first, the first down, but yeah, mind, mind numbing with the Chargers. For, I feel sorry for Chargers fans. Yeah, yeah. Another week and another absolute catastrophe. Yeah, but like you say, ultimately came good in the end, didn't it? Lawrence, give us a winner, buddy. It's the former Boston Braves. It's the team with no name. <laughs> it's the NFC least leading. Washington football team can't be any other any other winner in the Voss household this week. Yeah, I was impressed with the stat that you gave out earlier. Actually, the NFC East, for all of its criticism, actually the best performing division in football over the last four weeks. So there you go, ladies and gents. The cream is rising to the top very, very, very slowly. Indeed, the cream is rising to the top. I'm going to go full circle, fellas. We started off with them. Let's end with them. The losers on the week for me because they lost twice in a week. <laughs> the Pittsburgh Steelers. James Connor, his stat line, Lawrence, 18 yards on 10 carries and lowest 1.8 yards per carry average. Maple Tron, oh, dearly me. Three for what? 15 yards, just. Do you know what? All joking aside, and I'm obviously absolutely reveling in this as a Browns fan, I can't see them winning another game. I honestly can't see them winning another game. The wheels have well and truly fallen off. Q, week 17, the Browns absolutely stinking it up and getting hammered by the Steelers. But there you go. 
I will take my uh, medicine if that does indeed happen. Uh, Ross, thanks ever so much, mate, for watching along as usual. There's one to whet the appetite for you. He was getting involved in our debate about the Washington football team. What do you reckon to that one, boys? Washington versus the Chiefs, student versus teacher, Alex Smith versus Patrick Mahomes. That could be a nice, tasty Super Bowl, seeing Patrick Mahomes <laughs> against uh, that Washington defence. Washington get to the Super Bowl, I will get a Washington tattoo. On your forehead. No, not my forehead. <laughs> I, do not, I do not want to divorce, but I will get a Washington football. Wayne Haskins fan club. Yeah. <laughs> i tell you what, if Washington get the Super Bowl launch, you've got to have a Dwayne Haskins tattoo. Dwayne Haskins <laughs> MVP. After all the criticism you've given him, just tonight alone, I think he deserves a little bit of respect. Let's finish off then, fellas. There's obviously the big matchup tonight. We've alluded to it throughout the course of the pod. I am like the kid at Christmas. I'm excited for this one. I've said all day I was going to go to bed after this podcast, get a few hours kip and get up. But I've got to be honest, boys, the adrenaline is pumping. I cannot wait for kickoff in this one. I am, of course, talking Browns and Ravens, um, obviously in Cleveland, um, the Browns winners of four straight. The Ravens obviously having some struggles recently. They've had obviously their COVID issues, which they are essentially over now. Thankfully, you know, I certainly didn't want to see the Browns against the the Ravens backups. It is pretty much going to be full go. Um, I think even Mark Andrews probably back in certainly more of a capacity this week than he was last. It's obviously a big game, boys. Uh, where do you all see it going, Tim? Let's start with you, buddy. Shut the oven door. Baker gonna bake. Dearly me, things are looking up, ladies and gents. Once Tim gets on the Baker Mayfield train, that's that that is full conversion. You you seriously fancy the Browns? Tonight? I think every week you send me your pickums through for my article, and I always giggle because it doesn't matter who the Browns are playing. They could be playing the Jets, and I still think you would pick the Jets just to spite me. But you actually fancy the Browns tonight? Yeah, I, I had a bet uh, a couple of hours ago on the Browns and the Eagles at seventy, about seventy to one to win the division. Oh, there you go, for seventy to one. Yeah, I still think Washington. Let's not get back into Washington. We talked about them enough. I still think Washington are going to win the East, but yeah, the uh, the Browns could be good value. Um, certainly, they're the ones riding momentum. Kieran, how do you see it going tonight, buddy? Yeah, like you just said, and like I said earlier, momentum is crazy. I got the Browns. Obviously, the Ravens. A lot of the guys who are going to be back tonight haven't played in a while. We saw what happened to Cam Newton when he had to take some time out because of COVID. You know, I think the Browns have just got everything on their side this game. Loving this, boys. Loving this. I don't think we need to come to Lawrence. Go on, mate. Go on. I'll let, I'll, I'll let you. I'll let you have your say. Go on. I, I'll just ask one quick question. How's How's Denzel Ward? Is he Is he he's, okay? He's, he is out tonight. Thank you very much. So, with Denzel Ward out, I would like to say this will be a Ravens win. I don't mind being in the minority in this one. I had a vision, I had a dream that Lamar Jackson runs for a 67-yard touchdown. He's not playing down this week, We can't disrespect Greedy! Uh, greedy, is he? We haven't seen him all season. Christ. Um, yeah, Denzel Ward is out. <laughs> Don't Denzel Ward is out. Denzel Ward being out. I think that's a, it's a, it's a decent enough headline of a, yeah, of a no. knock for the Browns. Yeah, it is a big loss for the Browns all in all seriousness. Denzel Ward having a good season. Uh, certainly the best player in the back end of that Browns defence. For me, though, it'll be one up front, and I think Miles Garrett should, in theory, have a field day. The Ravens obviously got issues at the tackle position. I believe I'm correct in saying they're onto their third string right tackle, so I expect to see Miles Garrett living at left defensive end. 
tonight. Um, you know, ultimately, you know, I've said this for the last few weeks, if the Browns can do what they've done effectively over the last few weeks, which is get the run game going through Nick Chubb, um, use the play-action passing, um, you know, I'm quietly confident, uh, but I have said as well to uh, a number of Browns fans that have been talking about the two worst Browns performances of the season by a country mile versus Baltimore versus Pittsburgh so far this season. So let's see how far they've come. Um, it feels a long, long time since that week one beatdown. Uh, they feel like very different sides heading into this one. All the momentum on the season opener was with Baltimore after a stellar season last year. Obviously, all the momentum currently with the Browns. They, they have thankfully get Wyatt Teller up on the offensive line at guard. He was uh, put on the COVID list at the start of the week, but he is activated, thankfully. Uh, now, Positive tests after he was identified as a close contact, so it should be another strong running day for Cleveland. Uh, yeah, can't wait for it, boys. Can't wait for it. Wish I hadn't started work last week, because it would have made tomorrow a bit better, but, you know, there you go. These are the uh, the trials and tribulations of a UK NFL fan that we all love and endure week to week. That's pretty much it, boys. It's been an absolute belter tonight. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Some real good action over the course of the weekend. Obviously, you know, the games mean more each and every week now. Um, and obviously, more and more ramifications on all of the matchups as we head into a busy week 15 of action. Um, we'll obviously get you all of your previews and everything over the course of the next few days. Obviously, plenty of content still coming out from the other branches at Full 10 HQ. Particular shout-out to the college boys if you'd like to chat earlier about some of the uh, draft positioning and whether it's worthwhile starting to lose a few games, etc., etc. Check out the new scouting pod. Uh, starting to get ahead of the curve there, looking at uh, prospects and where they might fit in and what they bring um, you know, to potential teams that uh, could end up drafting them at relevant different slots in the draft. So that's a good one to keep your eyes and ears Peeled for, um, obviously, like I say, plenty of stuff coming up. Tim, on Thursday, uh, defending his 11-2 and record on the season. We've got the uh, the lads from the uh, NFL Vintage Shop, is it, Tim? Have I got that right? National Vintage League, yeah. National Vintage League. I think we've also got a giveaway, potentially, this week as well. So tune in for that one on Thursday. Play along with the quiz. Um, and obviously, we will be back on Monday of next week to discuss all the action that has gone down. So, gents, once again, thanks for your company this evening. I'll let you all sign off and close off with any words that you so wish. Timothy? Um, I'll be around yours in five minutes. We continue our punch-up. <laughs> look forward to it, mate. Absolutely look forward to it. Kieran? You know, just... Make sure you listen to the College Football Podcast coming out on Wednesday. You can hear me take a big old dump all over Ohio State and the shady stuff they pulled this week. Lovely, mate. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> I think you need to work on your advertising skills, but, you know, you, you, you've, certainly perked, you've certainly perked my interest, if nothing else. So I will certainly give it a listen, mate. Thanks for your company, as always. And, Lawrence, final word to you, mate. Good luck this evening, mate. I'm sure the uh, the WhatsApps will be flowing backwards and forwards. I'm sure you wish me an unpleasant evening, as I do you, my good friend, but uh, I'll let you sign off in style. Absolutely. Yeah, two tiny things. One, if you like a bit of Christmas cheese... Make sure you visit the full 10 yards website. I've had a, had a little bit of pun fun for Christmas. So enjoy that. And yes, I look forward to Sean, you, me and Maurice Jones Drew still looking as uncomfortable as ever on that chair in the studio, um, having some coffee at the three o'clock club. 
I look forward to it. I've never actually watched a game on Channel 5. I might even put Channel... I was going to watch it on Sky, but I might even stick Channel 5 oh, on there. It's, it's much better on Channel 5. Oh, and you, you always get to see Claire the Bear. So, oh, a lot, lot of respect for Claire the Bear. She seems to be their, their favourite UK supporter. Absolutely. Much love indeed, mate. Much love indeed. Absolute pleasure as always, fellas. Douglas, we will work on our American accents ready for next week for you, my friend. Kieran, do you want to just sign off um, with your... Um... Yeah, K- Kieran's got a belt in American accent, haven't you, mate? Uh, guys, thank you for t- uh, tuning into our live stream. It is the best live stream, the Hobbit is property, in not only uh, football, but all of sports. I thank you guys. Uh, we're get- we're going to have a good show again next week as well. The best show. The best show on earth. <laughs> I tell you what, I almost feel as though I've been outdone now because I've got to close the podcast properly, as we always do, ladies and gents. So come on, fellas, you can join in with me as it's nearly Christmas. In the great words of Kevin Cadle, it is, of course, bye-bye for now. Bye-bye for now. for listening to the full 10 yards podcast follow us on facebook or twitter at full 10 yards or email the show full 10 yards at gmail.com